tonight, and uh, something popped up, and so I said, well, I guess you're in the teen room tonight, so that's where he's at, and, uh, and he's kind of pinch-hitting in there and, uh, and keeping the teens uh, going there with, the, with their class, and so I appreciate the fact that he's able to do that and, uh, and help out, and uh, see, he's, uh, he's even been here 24 hours. We already put him, put him plenty to work. And, uh, and you will certainly meet him maybe after church or even Sunday for sure he'll be here. So, uh, but I appreciate him being here. There was something else I was going to say, and I don't remember what it is, so we'll go to the message. I, uh, I, get to, I do this all the time. I, I get to the pulpit, and I'm, I'm ready to preach. I mean, it's, this is what I've worked on. This is where my mind is at. And so all the other stuff, my wife's like, you didn't say this, and you didn't say that, and I... I strive to, but uh, I don't always, when I get to the pulpit to preach, I'm ready to preach. And, uh, and if, I, if I wait too long, it'll be gone, and then, and then I won't have half the message. So uh, I, I only got so much capacity up there. Proverbs chapter number 29, and verse number 19, we'll start there, and uh, we'll take our text. Proverbs 29, and verse number 19, the Bible says, A servant will not be corrected by words. For though he understand, he will not answer. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for uh, the many blessings that we have in our life. Father, thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to be in your house and uh, gather around your word. And God, I pray that you would just bless the service tonight. I pray that you'd bless each of the classes as they're meeting. I pray, Father, that you would uh, speak to each of, uh, uh, each of the hearts of those that are here, Father, in the kids' class and here in the auditorium and those that are uh, tuned in online. Father, that, could, that are hearing these things. And God, I pray that you would just use me. I pray, Father, that you'll speak through me. And God will certainly thank you for that. And God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we look at these verses tonight, these are the three we're going to look at. Uh, they're, they're really the last three in the series of leadership. And, uh, and I put down for a title, Leading for Loyalty. Leading for Loyalty. For loyalty. And as I stated last week, you know, there's a great chance that you are leading somebody. And you say, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not a king by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but there's probably somebody uh, that, is, that is following you and paying attention to you. And you probably have more influence over some people than you realize that you have. And so it's important for us to remember that and realize that. And then secondly, the thought is this, that we should be raising leaders for tomorrow. The, we ought to be raising gen, the next generation to be leaders for tomorrow. I remember when I was a teenager, and, uh, and they would point at us, and they'd say, that is the next generation. And I'd look at the other teenagers, and I'm like, man, that's scary. And, uh, and now we're it. And, and it is, and you're looking at it, you say, it is scary. Um, you know, uh, but, but really... The truth of the matter is we have got to be raising the next generation of leaders. That's what Paul admonished Timothy. He said, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. And then he goes on, he says, who shall be able to teach others 
also. And so we have a great responsibility to train up and to raise up other people as leaders to follow in our footsteps, and, uh, and not just in our footsteps, but really to carry forth the doctrine of the Word of God and to carry forth the same ideas that we have going forward. And, uh, and so I find that's very important, and, uh, and I find it significant. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, as a missionary, for many years, uh, I thought, you know, the Lord has called me to be a missionary, and I was content. I, I, my thought and my mind was, I'm going to spend the rest of my life as a missionary. And my thought was this, uh, if a church ever calls me and wants me to come back to the States and pastor, man, I'm a missionary, and that's, that's my thought. That's where, I'm, that's where my heart is. But I had this one thought, if our home church ever called, and said, hey, I want you to consider coming back and pastoring our church, I would have to think about it, and I'd have to pray about it. Why? Because, hey, we, the things that I've learned from our home church and our pastor, who was my professor in Bible college, they need to be carried forth. And so the leadership has got to continue to roll from whence we come. Uh, and it's important to carry forward the same ideas that we've carried for all these years because they're important. And so uh, that is something that we have got to focus on and understand and realize that, hey, this is important to carry forward the same ideas that we've always believed. Uh, and if we drop the ball, what happens? Hey, other leadership comes in, other ideas are taken, other paths and other directions are taken, and, and things don't always go on the same. That's why Paul admonished Timothy and told him, the things that thou hast learned uh, uh, of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so it's very important that we carry forward that leadership by training those who are coming behind us. And so I've entitled my message tonight, Leading for Loyalty. Winston Churchill said this, The nation will find it very hard to look up to leaders who are keeping their ears to the ground. Let me say that one more time. The nation, and Winston Ch Churchill was talking about national leadership, but what, a, what an application even into the spiritual realm. The nation will find it very hard to look up to leaders who are keeping their ears to the ground. And I would add to that that you should keep your ear tuned toward heaven and garner your leadership from there. The idea of keeping your ear to the ground is which way is the crowd going, and I want to be in front of them so that I can look like a good leader. And, uh, and, and that's not really the idea of leadership. Uh, I had another quote. It was once said, A bad servant will not make a good master. Another quote, A leader has been defined as one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. And so there's lots to leadership and, uh, and even a lot in the Word of God that we're going to look to. And, uh, and we're going to look at the idea of leading for loyalty. Now these first two verses are not uh, really um, in, in that direction per se, uh, but they will give us things that we ought to be aware of and we ought to be recognized as, as points of leadership. In verse number 19, the Bible says this, a servant 
will not be corrected by words. For though he understand, he will not answer. Now let me say this about the word uh, servant in verse number 19. A servant is a person that attends uh, another for the purpose of performing uh, works for him. Uh, or somebody that is employed for another. Sometimes we read uh, in the Bible, the word servant is used over uh, close to a thousand times. And, uh, and there's several forms and there's several ideas behind it. One would be a bond servant where somebody did not pay. Maybe they lent, somebody lent them money and uh, they were not able to pay them back. And so then they would go into their service as a servant uh, until that debt was paid off. And that would be a bond servant, okay? And sometimes the Bible does talk about that. But sometimes when it mentions servant, uh, many times throughout Scripture, when it mentions servant, it's dealing with somebody who would be employed by another person or somebody who works for another person. Uh, or it even, uh, many times Jesus would even reserve, re refer to his disciples as servants. And Paul, many times in his epistles, would say, I, Paul, the servant of Christ. And so servant can be used in many ways throughout the scripture. And in this verse, it is not referring to uh, necessarily a slave or a bond servant, uh, but rather somebody that would, uh, that would probably be employed by somebody else. By the way, when we think about servanthood, uh, lest we should have a bad taste in, it, in our mouth from that, I would remind us that Jesus said this about servants in verse number 11 and 12, but he, in Matthew 23, verse verses 11 and 12, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's quite opposite of what we think of today as servants. Many times we think of serving as a menial, low position, but Jesus Christ esteemed it as one of the highest positions. And in verse 12, he goes on and he says this, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and whosoever shall humble himself shall be exalted. So as we look at this verse, understand that a servant would simply be somebody who would work for somebody else, not necessarily a bond servant. And in verse 19, he says, a servant will not be corrected by words. Now, there's a lot of ways you could look at that. But the way I'm looking at that is that uh, this servant in particular is not going to listen to those words. Well, well, there's several things that go with that. Look at the last part of the phrase. It says, for though he understand, he will not answer. So that's where it gives me the idea that, hey, he's understanding and he hears, but he's not bothering uh, to attend. In other words, you could kind of equate that to the fool. Remember, the fool would be somebody who has instruction but does not want to listen or follow that instruction. And so uh, basically the idea here in verse number 19 is that he's unwilling to listen. You know, the Bible says in multiple times in the New Testament, it says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, in the book of Revelation, what the Spirit saith unto the seven churches. And in Jesus, oftentimes in teaching, would say that to his disciples and the crowds that he would be teaching. And he's saying, hey, they're unwilling to listen. Have you ever talked to somebody? And, and man, it is like talking to a wall. And you're like, man, I told them and I told them and I told them and I knew they were not listening to me. And then they went out and they did just the opposite of what I told them to do. 
And that's kind of the idea here is that a servant will not be corrected by words. In other words, a foolish servant uh, that would take those words and say, uh, yeah, you're speaking to me. They might look at you and, uh, and they, might be, uh, pay, they might be seemingly paying attention to you, uh, but they're not really paying attention. And everything that you're saying is just going, as we say the old saying, in one ear and right out the other. They're not listening. And, and that's the idea behind this, uh, at least one of the ideas. And so that first verse that we're looking at is really the lost servant or the lost employee. Uh, somebody that would not bother listening. And with an employee, listen, there's only so many disciplinary options that you have. Uh, I mean, as far as somebody who would work for you and somebody that is employed underneath of you, uh, you can say, well, listen, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And listen, if you don't stra straighten up and fly right, then, uh, hey, eventually, hey, you're going to have to be fired. I mean, there's only so many measures that you can take and you can talk to people and you can give them words. But if they're not going to change, then they're foolish. And we see that idea, they're unwilling to listen. Not only are they unwilling to listen, but notice this as well. A servant will not be corrected by words. Not only are they unwilling to listen, they're unwilling to learn. Some people, you can tell them and tell them and tell them. And they they're, they're, uh, they're, they're just don't get it. And listen, some people are slow to learn. That's okay. You know, some of us learn a little slower. But we learn, and that's okay. Some people, you will tell them and tell them and tell them, and they're going to look at you, and, and they're going to they're see it, but they're not going to do it because they're not interested in learning. The old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You can give somebody truth. You can give somebody Bible truth. You can give somebody principles from the Word of God. But if they're not willing to accept those principles, hey, there's only so much that you can do. And, and you're not able to uh, make that person learn or uh, comply to those things. And some, that person would be unwilling to learn. And we find here in verse number 19, he says, A servant will not be corrected by words. And he goes on, For though he understand, he will not answer. Not only is unwilling to listen, he's unwilling to learn, but uh, thirdly, on this lost servant, he's unwilling to lend. And that would be contribute to the cause. You ever had somebody, and, and it seems like, man, they're almost working contrary to what you're trying to do. Um, now, some people are, if you put the wrong guy in the wrong place, uh, then listen, he's just not going to function well there because some people are just not apt to do some things. I used to think, I used to think, and I learned better, I used to think that anybody could learn some stuff. And, uh, and one day, uh, I was with a fella, and, and I'm, I'm mechanically inclined. I just naturally, I like to take things apart. I, I see how things work. It just, uh, if I can see it, I can pretty much replicate it. And that's just who I am. That's how I am. And, and I have a hard time understanding people that, that cannot do that. And I thought, well, anybody could learn that. And so I had an opportunity, a fella, that, uh, that he, he was not mechanically inclined at all. 
And, and I thought, I'm going to help this fellow out. And, and so I was helping him do something. And, and I thought, I'm going I'm to teach this fellow how to do it. Certainly he could learn. Uh, he just hasn't had opportunity. And, and so uh, it, was a, it was a deal with a trailer. And, and, uh, and, and we, were, we were tightening up the tensioning chains uh, to keep the trailer from, from wobbling. And so I took that bar and I put it on it. And I said, you just take this bar and, and you flip it up like that. And he was standing across from me. So I went like this. And I gave him the bar. I said, you do that one on this side. So he put that bar on that tensioner and, and he went to flip it up. And when he did, that bar cut loose and it goes, whoo, 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 chonk. And it cold cocked me dead in the forehead. And I thought, maybe not everyone can learn mechanical stuff. And, and it wasn't that he was unwilling to lend or unwilling to contribute, but some people are just not apt. But our, our text would say, hey, there are some people who are simply unwilling to contribute. They're not willing to lend. They're not willing to help. If you work in the world and you work with other people, you know that very well to be true. Uh, my kids, you know, I, I've, I've been out of the world work environment for a long time. Now, I remember when I did work in the world, I, I remember there were some people, I mean, they just, they were not interested in helping the job go forward no matter what. I mean, that, this was my job, and that's what I did, and the rest, that's yours. That's not my job, and I'm not going to help no matter what. I'm going to sit here on my duff and watch you until you get your part done. And, and my kids tell me stuff like that, and, and I'm just like, man, there's really people like that. There are. They're not going, they're not interested, they're not interested in lending or willing to lend or contribute in any form or fashion to the job that is trying to be accomplished. And verse number 19 tells us this, a servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. In other words, he may know how to do the job. He may understand all of the things that need to take place, but he's unwilling to lend and contribute to the job that is trying to be done uh, because he's not interested in the overall accomplishment of everything. Now, I said all of that to say this as well. This is not an indictment against leadership. And I want us to understand that. Because sometimes we'll look at that and say, well, that person was not a good leader. No, some people are not good followers. And that is the information that we're getting out of this text. I will give you an example that's irrefutable. Jesus Christ was the greatest leader that ever walked on the face of the earth. Judas Iscariot followed him for three years, three and a half years. Judas Iscariot was unwilling to listen. Judas Iscariot was unwilling to learn. Judas Iscariot was unwilling to lend to the cause of Jesus Christ in propagating the gospel. And Judas Iscariot uh, was not an indictment on Jesus Christ's leadership abilities, but rather an example of how somebody uh, would be this, play out this very proverb that a servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not 
answer. Herbert Lockyer said this about Judas Iscariot. He said, it is sadly possible to be associated with Jesus, to hear his gracious words, witness his wonderful works, yet refuse him our heart's allegiance and be ultimately lost. That's so true. We find that's really what this proverb is teaching, that some people simply, though they hear, though they, uh, they might understand, they're not willing to yield uh, to the project and the leadership of what is taking place. And so in verse number 19, we can see very clearly a lost servant that is not willing uh, to contribute, to listen, to learn, or to lend uh, to the project that is being accomplished. And so verse number 19, we can see a lost servant. Look with me at verse number 20. We can see uh, that that, uh, a little self-restraint goes a long way. Look at verse number 20. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Verse number 19 really refers to a fool that would not uh, listen or learn or, or lend to anything, and so he would be foolish in his, his ways. But we see there in verse number 20, this is a little bit different. It's not somebody that's unwilling to uh, lend, but it's somebody that is hasty in their words. Now, the word hasty means rash, irritable, or early ripe. In other words, something that is ripe before, not, not ripe, it's before it's ripe. And, uh, and, and we find that it's only used nine times in the Bible. Almost every time the word hasty is used, it's carried forward with a negative connotation. In other words, it says he that is uh, hasty in his anger. Uh, there's many things. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 5.2 uh, says, Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. In other words, be careful of the words that would come out of our mouth because hasty words usually come from a hasty decision and usually that's not a good thing. I mean, how many people, when you hit your thumb with your hammer, say, praise the Lord. That's not usually the first thing that comes to your mind or out of your mouth. Because, listen, that's just not natural. Go with me to Daniel chapter number 2. Save your spot here in Proverbs chapter 29. And I'd like to show you an example of hasty words that I came across. Actually, it contains the word hasty, and that's how I found this. But look with me in Daniel chapter number 2. King Nebuchadnezzar, you'll remember he was not a good king in, I think it was Babylon or Assyria or one of those countries there that had taken the nation of Israel captive and had taken the young men. But Nebuchadnezzar was not a good guy, and God had given him a dream. God had spoken to him in a vision. Look with me at verses number 4 and 5, and I want you to see this. We're just going to walk through this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time for for sake of time. But verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, Then spake the Chaldeans to the king of Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. Wow, that's pretty harsh. Here's what happened. King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, 
And, and, and for whatever reason, God, uh, when he woke him up, uh, God wiped his memory of the dream, but he knew he had a dream, but he couldn't recall it, exactly what had taken place. And so now King Nebuchadnezzar calls his wise men, uh, all the Chaldeans and all the wise men of the land, and says, listen, I had a dream and I need somebody to interpret it for me. And I need somebody to tell me the dream that I had. And they said... That's not possible. I mean, how on earth are we supposed to do that? And he goes on and he says, listen, if you don't tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation, I'm going to cut you all up and turn your houses into a dunghill where everyone else will use the bathroom. Now, that's, that's harsh, but that's what he said. Go on with me. Look with me in verse number 10, and 13, 10 down through 13. And the Chaldeans answered before the king and said here is not a man upon the there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter therefore there is no king lord or ruler that asked such a thing at any magician or astrologer or chaldean it and it is a rare thing that the king requireth and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh for this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of babylon and so verses 4 and 5, I forgot to give you this, but the, we see a hasty decree is produced. He's already threatening them, saying, hey, if you can't tell me, uh, then, uh, then I'm going to have you killed. And in verses 10 down through 13, we read to 12, he said in verse 13, And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. In verses 10 through 13, we can see the hasty decree proclaimed. He tells them, hey, you're going to die. And, and, and he sends out the word. All the wise men and all the people were to be gathered together that were uh, even the, 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 the Jews that had been carried away into captivity that were, they were training to be wise men. He was saying, hey, gather them all up. I'm going to kill every one of them. And a hasty decree is proclaimed. Look at verses 14 down through 16. And we find a hasty decree is pacified. He, Daniel says in verse number 14, Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? There's our word hasty. And Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. And we find the hasty decree was pacified. So the hasty decree was produced, it was proclaimed, and now it's been pacified here in these verses. Go with me at verse number 17, and, and, and I love these verses. Verse 17, Then Daniel went into his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, and they that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. We don't have time for the rest of the story. Well, verse 19, we'll read that. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. The hasty decree was prayed over. But I want you to notice, here's a hasty decree. 
In other words, that king was furious when, when, when he was thinking, well, this is not possible. I mean, he became instantaneously mad and angry. And what did he do? Kill them all. I want all my wise men, gather them all up, and we're going to kill every one of them. Now, if you ask me, there's a king that really needs counsel. I mean, he's about to gather all his wise men that are supposed to counsel him and kill them all. So I, I don't think he's all there. But, uh, but nonetheless, he has a hasty decree and he declares it. And, uh, and we find that, man, it was fierce and it was rigid and it was uh, probably not the right move. But yet, not, yet nonetheless, we find that Daniel gathered his men together. They prayed over it and God gave wisdom to Daniel. It's an amazing story. But uh, the idea that I want us to see is the hasty decree. It was foolish. It really was. And you go back and you can read it and you can reread it and you'll say, man, that was a foolish idea that king had. Listen, many times the Bible says right here in our verse, seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. And I'm just saying that hasty action and hasty words uh, usually don't come uh, in a wise way. The Bible says in James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Well, we need a dose of that in 2021. That people would be more calm and collected and quicker to listen, and slower to speak, and slower to become anger, uh, angry. And we find in verse number 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. Foolish words often lead to foolish actions. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 29, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is... He that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 5 of Proverbs. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. And so we need to be careful. We need to watch for hasty words and hasty actions that would often follow hasty words and, and be careful uh, about the things that are said uh, because a little self-restraint will go a long way. But a foolish uh, or a hasty words, uh, the Bible says that there's more hope of a fool than of somebody who is quick to give an answer or give a, a reply or, or say something that maybe would not be uh, correct in what they're saying. So we see in verse number 19, the lost servant, we see a little bit of restraint, uh, or you could put down the, uh, the, the, I had another one, the lost, uh, lost fool, uh, which would be similar to the lost servant uh, in verse number 20. But I want you to see number 21, and this is where we really tie everything in. In verse number 21, he says, he that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Now we started out with a servant in verse 19 and I said that was an employee and I think that is more appropriate for an employee. Verse 21, I think because of the context of the verse, I think it would apply more to a bond servant and more to the child of a bond servant. In other words, somebody that would uh, not pay their debts and end up having to go to work for that person to pay off their debts and this would be their child. 
And so uh, you could take the application from that and say, hey, there's a lot that can be applied to our day and age. Not that anybody would have bond servants today, uh, but the way we treat people. Go back with me to the verse. He says in verse number 21, he that, look at the words the way he describes it, he that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. It's interesting to look at this verse. And it's fitting as we end on this verse to look at the idea of leading for loyalty. We've looked at the idea of somebody that will not listen, they'll not learn, they'll not lend in, and then we've looked at the idea of being hasty in words and being careful not to be hasty, and those perhaps that are hasty, the Bible says there's more hope of a fool than of them, and so we can see that and and recognize those things, but in verse 20, we see the loyalty secured. And how is that secured? Uh, Listen, uh, the, the servant that we look at as he delicately would bring up that servant, as he would delicately treat that servant. Delicateness goes a long way. What is delicateness? Well, uh, I would say it's a, a good balance of kindness, compassionate, and yet firmness. If you have kindness and, and, and people walk all over you, then it doesn't go very far. If you have firmness but no kindness, then you're rigid and, and there's no grace and there's no allowance for error and there's no, uh, there's no uh, kindness built into that. And so really, uh, that idea goes hand in hand of having uh, a delicate balance between uh, compassion and firmness and having a balance that would uh, strike the same two ideas. And I want you to notice, uh, not only is it delicate, that it's a delicate balance and we must be careful about it, but I want you to notice the second thing, and this, this is, this is uh, shown two times in this verse, verse number 21, bringeth up his servant from a child. It seems like with my children, it's been overnight. I mean, I'm like, man, I've got one left at home, and you know, they're all, they're all off to college, and, and I'm like, man, it's gone by so quick. But really, there's a lot of time represented there. And if you think about how much time you vest in somebody that you would raise them, uh, then, then, then you get the idea that, hey, there is a lot of time vested in that person. Take that, for example, of a servant's son uh, that would live in your house and that you would spend time with that, uh, with that, with that young person person and uh, and take them under your wing and teach them and train them and help them in their life. How many people in this world, and there's a lot, are, are if I can say it this way, underprivileged and they've never had somebody take the time just to teach them some things. And it's amazing, really. We have a, such a disjointed society where uh, Satan really has destroyed uh, the, the unit of the family. And in that destruction, there's been a, a lack of, of time devoted to, to raising those children and spending time with them and teaching them those things. And as we look at this verse, it becomes very apparent that there is a significant amount of time invested in that servant. 
Can I tell you something? You will not build a person overnight. It takes time. It takes time to work with people. It takes our time to invest in people. I remember a, a preacher one time. He was, he was frustrated. And I'll tell you the story. And, and you wouldn't know him. And I don't even remember the names anyway. So, uh, so you wouldn't even know who they are. But, but this preacher, he, he, some parents came to them. Tim. And they were complaining to him. And they said, they said um, uh, you know, you, our kids aren't doing right and, 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 and this and that. And he said, whoa, 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 hold a minute. He said, I get your children for one hour a week in Sunday school. He said, you send them off to a school that has them eight hours a day for five days a week for 40 days And they're pumping all kinds of stuff into their mind. He said, I get one hour to try and wash that out, clean it, and put something better in there. He said, and you have them at home for, I don't know, four hours a night for five days a week, six, seven days, whatever. And and, and he said, you know, you have this much time. He said, don't be laying the blame at my feet because your kids aren't doing right when I get one hour a week to try and clean out what has been put in their minds. And what I'm saying is this, it takes time vested with people to train and to teach them. There is nothing, there is no shortcut to replace time that is vested with people. There is no shortcut to make it faster. There is no way to just open their minds and pour in what is right. It takes time and a delicate balance of compassion and firmness saying, hey, this is what's right and this is what's not right. And it requires effort on our part. But we see here in verse number 21, he that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have have him become his son at the length. And we find that in the end, he ends with loyalty. Why? Because time has been vested in those people and a delicate balance has been maintained for that time of firmness and of compassion that says, hey, I care enough about you to correct you. I care enough about you to invest my time in you. I care enough about you to pour into your life. And it's a delicate balance that's required to draw out a loyalty of somebody that is not your child that would be just like your child. The greatest example I can think of that would be Timothy and Paul. And Paul admonished Timothy this, we started with this verse, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And saying, you know what? Pour time into people. We have so many things, so many priorities. People have got to be the priority of ministry. Our building is beautiful. I love our building. And our people have spent a lot of time investing in our building. And I appreciate that. It's important. We don't want it to go downhill. We spend a lot of time in in a lot of things. and, And many things are good. I'm not saying we should not do that. But I am saying that, hey, our priority of vestment has to be investing in people 
training leaders for the future that are going to come. Because, uh, listen, the day every one of us, every one of us is, this is really simple, ready? A day older than yesterday. Not one of us is going backwards. Every one of us is a year older than last year. Every one of us is getting older. And the importance and the priority of investing in the future is so critical and so important. It's a time-consuming task. It's not easy. People sometimes, people will disappoint you. I, I, I've, read, I've, I've been enough time on the mission field. I've worked with people long enough to know that they're not always going to fall through or follow through. But we should not stop investing in people. Because, listen, it will pay off, and it will come around, and God will bless if we'll do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we stand to our feet, with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you.